Hey, wait, can we hang on? Hang on just a second. Sorry. I, hey, you guys don't ever hear my voice. My name is Brian. I'm the, I'm the nerd that puts the epic narrative together. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm interrupting to let you guys know about a contest that we're running uh, for a new logo for the epic narrative. If you're a fan of the epic narrative and you happen to be good at graphic design or digital art and you'd like to take a crack at designing a new logo for us, we would love that. We're going to be running a contest starting Monday, March 7th, 2022 through Sunday, April 10th, 2022. You can submit any art designs that you have for a new logo for the epic narrative to thebobswitzer at gmail.com. And if we think it represents the epic narrative well and we fall in love with it uh, you will win a $50 Apple Pay credit that we will send over to you or an equivalent if you don't have an Apple product and it will become the new logo for us and we will announce the winner a couple weeks after submissions close um, sorry to interrupt back to the epic narrative hey everybody I'm Anna McEwen And now, for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be good. All right. So, if, uh, last week, I know it was a kind of a short episode, but we left Cain with that, with that choice, right? God said, if you do the right thing, you know it's going to be fine. You'll, you're going to be accepted. And by right thing, he wasn't talking about a specific behavior. He was talking about an attitude. He said, if you, if you come to me, if you bring a, uh, an act of worship out of, you know, with the right uh, attitude, it doesn't matter what you, what you bring. And that goes for an act of service. You can serve the Lord, and many have, but their, their hearts are so far from them, you know, from, from him. Their, their hearts are not motivated out of love. They're motivated out of, you know, motivated out of that obligation or expectation. These are the ones that, that by the end of, you know, whatever active service they're doing or by, you know, five years later, they don't ever want to be in church again. They never want to talk about God again. It's so easy to walk away people, walk away from a relationship that you believe is manipulative and unkind. Many people believe God is like that because they've been trained to do acts of service, to do uh, forms of worship, to, to uh, interact with God in such a way that it's not a relationship, that there's obligation, that there's uh, tasks to obey. It's really about being a servant versus a son or a slave instead of a son. And I do know that you serve, but but far more gets done when you serve out of love. And when you serve out of obligation, when you worship out of expectation, you're left empty in the end because you you did your duty. You went to the service. You you raised your hands, or you sang the hymn, or you, or you you know you worked in the sound booth, which by the way is a very awesome thing for people to do. Because man, I cannot tell you how. I mean, oh, it is. You are a church is so hamstrung when when there's nobody uh, able to work sound. <laughs> it's it's a bad situation. And nowadays, uh, with the you know the the explosion of online services, when uh, when the COVID lockdowns were rolling around, uh, man, I can't. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. We need people back there all the time. Anyways, you can you can serve out of obligation. You can wear yourself out. And many times, people come through our our churches because they're looking for a place 
that they're not going to be abused, that they're not going to be used up. And they move from one church to another because a lot of churches don't know how to operate under this, under this mindset that says you can serve when you want to. You can serve, you should, you know, you serve out of out of a sense of love and passion for something, not because, oh, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Or no one, you know, is that well, some will, yeah, it doesn't matter what the expectation is, you know, whether no one else will step up and do it, or this is what I was, you know, the pastor told me this is what I want to do, or or whatever. Anyways. Enough, enough. We get the picture. So Cain understands the invitation. He understands that he literally could have, could have shifted his attitude right there and his vegetables and fruits would have been accepted by God. And God warns him. He's like, you know, you what you're doing here is messing with with sin. It's crouching. It's like it's like a, a beast of a wild beast. And it it is patient and it will wait, and it will devour you. But you don't have to let it. You can rule over it. Now, that was verse uh, that was verse 7. So verse 8 of chapter 4. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go to the field. Now, but once again, time. This is time. How much time? I don't know. Cain's response to God's invite was not, you know, invitation for relationship was not immediate. He waited. Verse 7 is definitely a little while after verse 6. It's not like, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we picture it like, okay, Cain's over here burning his vegetables and fruits. Abel's right over here burning the, the fat from a calf. And Cain looks over at Abel and, and sees that, I don't know how, but, you know, we just say he sees that God accepts, you know, Abel's offering, not Cain's. And he's like, this is a noise. I'm very upset. I'm going to I'm gonna do something bad. God's like, you better do what you better know what to do right. Because if you do it, everything will be fine. If not, sin's going to sin's gonna devour you. Yeah, well, hey, Abel, let's go for a walk. Like, yeah, I don't I don't think it actually happened that quickly. Well, and if you follow me at all, you know I don't think a lot of these verses happen very quickly. So he takes a little while. Cain debated, I think. And the debate is really one that a lot of us have. Am I going to repent? In other words, am I going to take the perspective of heaven on this? Am I going to am I going to become more like God, like my creator? I mean, I mean, the the interaction with heaven is all about our original identity and our purpose. If we repent, we become more light. We become uh, more loving. We become uh, connected in a, in a, in the frequency of the of our Creator and creation. We become one. We become unity, united unity. We become united. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what repenting is. It is not some sort of self-punishment. It is not uh, crawling on your knees up the stairs of, of some temple. It is not uh, uh, taking on more 
jobs at church in order to force yourself to never, you know, go to that bar again or whatever. Like there's just you you've got you've got to understand repentance is that new perspective of heaven. It's that movement into heaven. And interacting in heaven is what allows us to to interact with our circumstances in a in a way that sin doesn't devour us, even though it's you know evil is crouching at the door. It changes every everything. Repentance is is a joyful event because it brings you to a closer relationship with your Creator and it allows you to become more like Him, which gives you all kinds of purpose and destiny because you're connected to who who God created you to be. In the original creation, not the one that everybody stops at, which is in chapter three, which is what we've talked about in the past podcast, but it's where people go. And I'm breaking down this story of Cain and Abel, obviously in minuscule ways, because so many people look at this interaction as like double proof of how God handles sin. And if you sin, this is this is how you're going to be handled by God. And and in being handled by God, you're you know you're you're in big trouble because Cain is in big trouble. But but that's not you know this is that's that's just lazy. It's just lazy, and it's probably because a lot of guys heard it preached that way, so they regurgitated it that way. I think uh, you know probably some guys needed to fit. A sermon in in a certain amount of time, but honestly, I think a lot of times it goes back to a desire to change the behavior of the people that they're preaching to, so they take a slant on the words that will give them what they think is a godly authority to impact the behavior of the people that they're preaching to. And it, I don't, I don't believe God is that way. I don't think He manipulates people' behavior. And so I come at it with a different slant, not different as in unique, as in nobody else is doing this. There are good people out there that are doing this, and they, and and I just think more people ought to know about it. I don't think anybody's doing the epic narrative. I don't think anybody's telling these stories like this. But maybe they are. Maybe they are. But I, I love doing this. All right, so Cain, now Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. This is, uh, this is amazing. So Cain can choose repenting or being a victim. And he chooses being a victim. Cain could choose reason over relationship. And reason is is a selfish act. The logic of selfishness says, all right, if I remove the circumstances, I'll be fine. Selfishness is another way of saying, you know, a victim, a victim mindset. If I remove the circumstances, I'll be fine. If I remove the competition, I'll win. If I take out people, it'll clear the path for my success. Those are the things that, that Cain chose. He had an opportunity to choose God and relationship, 
and repentance. But he wasn't going to be forced into this. He was given the opportunity. He was given the invitation, which is what God always does. This is the pattern we want to see that I want you to see when, when it comes to God. He doesn't, he doesn't entertain these thoughts. These are thoughts that Cain entertains. He says, all right, God's inviting me to do the right thing. God says, if I change my attitude, then I'll be, you know, then my worship, my acts of service, my, my offering will be, will be accepted. But instead he chooses, well, he, he probably, it, hmm, it probably, like I said, it took a little while. But in all that, he started to debate. He started a debate with internally. So what if I change my attitude? Abel's still over there. Abel's still getting favor from God. Abel's going to keep doing the right thing. But who's to say that Abel's the right one? Who's to say that his sacrifice should matter? Who's to, who's, who's to say we should sacrifice at all? I'll tell you what will help... Um, that would have really helped my circumstances. I'll tell you right now, if Abel, if Abel wasn't wasn't doing sacrifices, if Abel didn't do sacrifices, then my sacrifice would be the uh, be the acceptable one when it comes to the two of us. And I do get, you know, sometimes when when we look at this passage, it's easy to say these are clearly the the only two brothers on the planet because he's removing his only competition. No, I I don't think so. I don't think so because of the rest of this chapter. Like you, there's uh, the, the, there's no way that these are the only two people around. There's hundreds of other people around, and there probably many of them are sacrificing to God. And who knows how many of them are having these conversations with Him, where He's He's inviting them into deeper relationship with Him. This is the story of Cain and Abel, because there was something between Cain and Abel. Cain felt challenged by Abel. Cain felt embarrassed by Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his wasn't. Cain felt um, uh, 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 he felt a level of self-disappointment, self-rejection when he looked at Abel. Like Abel chose the better thing to do. Cain chose to follow in his father's footsteps and Abel went and he raises you know meat. And people, maybe maybe he felt like the clan enjoyed the goats and the and the sheep and maybe the rabbits that that he raised and and the meat that he was able to provide and people you know you know vegetables were just vegetables and fruit was fruit and and it was hard work and it, there might not always be good ones and the whatever like there's just whatever it was it had to have built up because you don't just go from oh god didn't accept my sacrifice to hey abel let's go for a walk <laughs> let's go out. Uh, let's two of us go out. Only one of us is coming back. What? Nothing? Nothing? I didn't say nothing. But a victim or selfish mindset looked at circumstances and, and says, if I change them, then I'll be all right. Man, so many people are stuck in that concept. If I change my circumstances, everything will be fine. This this is this is an absolute lie. Now, I, okay, absolute is probably too big a word. Sometimes a change in circumstances allows you to, to 
be free of some of the some of the bondage that you put yourself under, but it doesn't change the amount of work you need to do. Because if you're not going to be a victim, eventually, regardless of the circumstances you might have moved yourself into, you will become the victim unless you do the internal work necessary to no longer be the victim. And you don't have to change your circumstances to do that. Sometimes it makes it easier to begin the work, but it doesn't make it easier work. That's a complicated thing. I hope it makes sense to you because, because it's, I've, I've observed it hundreds of times. People want to change, the, you know, change their church. Why? Yeah, I don't like it here. I don't like it there anymore. I'm going to come here now. Listen, I have no problem with you coming to church, but, but that's not like it's not going to solve the 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 issues that you have. Like if you have relational issues at at one place, and you walk away from them, you're you're st like half the problem is coming here. So you're still gonna you're gonna be here, and then eventually you're gonna run, run into relational issues here because you're not doing any work. That's what Cain was invited into. Do the right thing, Cain. Do the right thing and everything will be fine. The other, the other mindset, right, is if I, uh, same sort of victim mindset. If I remove competition, then I'll win. It, it feels bad when you're not accepted. It feels bad when you come in, you know, second or whatever. This is probably more along a business mindset. And and the other the other mindset, right? If I take out my competition, if I if I if I can get somebody out of my way, then I'll be successful. If I get somebody out of my way, then I will get the promotion. I will be seen as as the best uh, at at my job, even though the person who's best at my job, you know, is currently being noticed. If I can get them demoted, if I can get them. Uh, a rumor to start. If I can get there, you know, whatever, then then I'll be the best because that person will be second guessed and their work will be uh, uh, marginalized. These are all all these kind of thoughts. These these reasonable, logical processes from a victim mindset or a selfish mindset is is uh is what motivated Cain. Now as far as we know, this is the first time someone's going to commit murder. It it seems as though everything in the passages here seem to indicate that that is true. So Cain says to Abel, "Let's go for a walk. Let's go out into the field." It's probably it definitely could be a field that Cain works. And I don't know how big they are, right? I'm sure they're not as big as the fields that we work now with all the machinery that we have. And given the fact that the earth is, you know, has become less than friendly when it comes to planting things, it's hard work to plant a large field. So I don't know how big this field is, but they go for a walk. And I don't know if it's a, actually, I don't even know if it's a field that he planted. Could have just been, your general field out there in the in the desert plain. Not, I don't know if it was desert. Um, at the time, most people, you know, see the earth as mostly rolling hills and grass, trees, that sort of thing. Nothing, uh, nothing too 
extravagant or extreme when it comes to mountains and valleys. That comes later. That comes later in the book of Genesis. All right, so they go for a walk. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know if they're talking at all. You know, they're brothers. They have uh, they have families. They have moms and dad, you know, to talk about. They've got stories of creation that they can talk about. They have opportunity to shoot the breeze about just about anything. Places to plant, new places to graze their, the you know, Abel's uh, livestock. There's all kinds of stuff there they could be chatting about. But internally... I think Cain is really debating, do, do I really do this? Do I really do this? And I have a feeling whatever Abel is talking about, for Cain, it just makes matters worse. Abel's probably talking about very general things, things that, you know, eh, you know, let's talk about my livestock. Let's talk about my family. Let's talk about God. And Cain is like thinking that's the like oh I I hate this I really hate this I can't stand this guy my life would be so much better if he wasn't around I think every everybody's life right you got you got to throw everybody into this kind of logic everybody would be better off if this guy wasn't around he might have even thought if if Abel comes with me into the field then it, then maybe even it's, you know, God's okay with this. Because there are lots of people that bring God into their sin, right? They, especially, I mean, it's insane. Well, I, it's insane. I, the people I've talked to, and they've the different things that they've done, and I've thought, what, like, how in the world would you ever think God would approve of that? And they think, well, you know, because God wants my, you know, God wants my mental health to be, you know, to be smooth, you know, I, I need to, emotionally, I needed this, oh my gosh, really, so God's going to let you do that, you think, you, you think God's okay with, with what you, you know, with your behavior, because it mentally, emotionally made you feel healthier, oh my gosh, but at some level, I think that's what Cain's going after here, He's like, I, I will be so much more emotionally stable if, if Cain is taken out and he takes him out. It's, it's, a, it's a violent phrasing here. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. It, both, both the implied vocabulary and the oral history says that this was like a, a violent, multi-stabbing kill. Which is not unusual when it comes from a, a deep place of rage, and we've learned that from uh, oh, from watching television. That's that's what I've one of the things I've learned. CSIs, or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of them. Laws, Law and Orders. Those are some those are some shows <laughs> that that taught me this. Multi stabbings usually come from this inner rage, this this desperate desire to get back. That's something that has been bothering you for years. And so Cain stabs Abel. I imagine that first stabbing, the first the first time the blade went in, from from people I've I've seen documentaries about, they say that the first time you do it, the first time you do it, it, it actually surprises you 
at how at how hard it is to like to cut through like if you don't if you don't you know get them in a soft spot like the belly or the or the you know the lower part of the ribs from the back it it actually surprises you if you hit a bone how hard it is to get through or to cut through tendons so the first time he does it i i mean abel had to be completely dumbfounded i i think i th- i don't think abel under you know had any clue what was happening and he's and and he's staring at Cain, and Cain looks at him, and instead of feeling compassion and empathy and and sorrow and 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 a sudden desire for healing, he gets more enraged, and he keeps stabbing, and the blood is spilling out, and it's probably splattering on Cain, and and Cain is getting you know bloodied arms and bloody knees and. Abel falls to the ground and Cain keeps killing him. Now, part of this is he, he probably has no idea how many times you have to stab somebody to kill him. It's not like there was some sort of, uh, you know, murdering uh, handbook here. There's they, He's the first one to do it. He might not even understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he had seen animals killed, right? This was stabbing things, cutting the throat of things uh, was not, you know, unusual. Uh, gutting animals uh, in order to harvest the meat all of that had been probably a part of his life so it wasn't like this the first time he'd ever seen blood but it's the first time he's killed a human so maybe he didn't really know how many times how many times you stab a, i know how many times you know you you stab a, a a pig i know how many times you stab a goat usually you just slice them across the throat but and maybe he did that to abel as well because that would have been a very familiar thing to do. Slice the throat, let it bleed out. So he kills Abel and he leaves them, leaves him in the field, a large field. And then what? Is he does he walk all the way back? Like, when does verse nine happen? Then the Lord says to Cain, Where's your brother? Abel. I think God had to put Abel in there because he knew Cain would probably play some game like, oh, you mean that guy? You mean that guy? He's like, where's your brother Abel? Again, I believe there was time between these two verses. I think Cain probably, you know, uh, calmed down. I don't know if he sat down, but he stood out in the field, sat in the field, looked at his dead brother. And thought, I guess I'd leave him here. I mean, nobody had, I, I don't think anybody had ever died. Burying people was not something they knew what to do. Everything else they killed, they used They used for meat. They used for, you know, for food. The intestines were used for probably, I don't know, making sausage. I know that's terrible to say. I don't know if they made sausage. But... I don't know. Maybe they made a soup with it. I don't know. I don't think anything got wasted. Everything was was good for food. So he wasn't going to eat his brother. Thankfully, he didn't think that that way. But I imagine after getting that enraged and and doing that kind of violent act, you would need to calm down. A lot of times, uh, not a lot of times, but I have heard 
that that after the first kill, people often want to throw up. Maybe he did. And then maybe he just kind of sat there in the field or laid there in the field and 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 thought about what he did. And I have a feeling he felt very, you know, justified in what he did. Or he he justified it on his way home. Like he had he had mental conversations on his way back. Where he says, All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did no, I did no, I did the right thing. I, every everything's better. Everything's better. Everything's better now. I'm good. I'm good. Uh Abel's uh in the field. And um hmm. I wonder if I should tell his wife. Uh, well, no, uh, no, I think I'll be. I think it's good. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'll just. Uh, you know. I. No, I don't think anybody saw us. So, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, let's see. Uh, are we doing family dinner this week? Well, listen. I. I'll just pretend I don't know. I don't know. I. I I'll just say I don't know. So then the Lord comes to him. Once again, <laughs> this is the pattern we need to see when it comes to God and sin. He is not afraid of it. He does not separate himself from it. He does not show up with a with a hammer or the bolt of lightning. He shows up with a question. He invites relationship. He invites understanding. He invites connection. He invites repentance. He says... Hey, where's your brother Abel? All Cain had to do was collapse internally, externally, and say, I have done a horrible thing. Wow. That's all he had to say. God, I I I can't believe I I'm really, really sorry. I killed him. I don't even know like what happened. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But he didn't. He was resolute. Where's your brother Abel? Oh, I don't know. Uh and then often, right? When you're telling a lie, you add in some sort of complicating uh reason as to why your answer is clearly correct. Right? You don't say, <laughs> you don't just say, I don't know. But, you know, lawyers lawyers do this all the time, right? They ask questions in hopes that the person on the stand will just start vomiting information that they don't need to, that they don't need, that nobody needs. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a common thing, right? People just vomit stuff. Well, he's just like, well, I, where's your brother? I don't know. Am, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to keep track of him? I mean, we all know I'm not supposed to keep track of him. We don't do the same job, remember? I work the fields. He works the he works the livestock. I'm not around him. I don't I don't know. I don't know where his wife is. I don't know where his kids are. I don't know nothing. Now, his his answer, Kane's answer remains like basically he he's going to remain a, vic, a victim god's invitation 
God's question is is to invite connection, invite repentance. Cain's answer is, it's I'm not. This is not my job. I am not in charge. I am a victim here, of my circumstances. I have no control over what Abel does. And I'm not going to answer your question. You figure it out. You're God. So then God reveals. God reveals something. Now God will do that, right? He doesn't he doesn't reveal any sort of uh, punishment right here. He reveals information. He's like, what have you done? Again, a question. What have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Interesting. What an amazing line. Just just the word. Listen. This is something that Cain has the ability to do. Hearing creation, getting in tune with the frequency of creation is something that was available and is available for all of creation. You can create you can get in tune with what's going. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about worshiping trees. I'm not talking about <clears throat> looking for you know wood nymphs and and that sort of thing. I'm not. I don't want to scare you. But science has proven, you know, everything has a frequency. It all goes back to light. And Cain and Abel and, you know, of course, Adam and Eve were clearly had done this. Cain and Abel were not far removed from this. So there was a natural conversation that would have happened within the families that you can hear things in nature, that you can get in tune with nature, with the creation and the creator, that you can hear things. He's like, listen, Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. There's nothing that goes on in creation that the creator doesn't know about. It speaks, you know it speaks to me, and you can hear it too. Cain, did you think you could just leave your brother in the field and, and like, nobody would say anything? None of creation would let me know? Did you think you could leave your brother in the field and you wouldn't keep hearing his blood call out to you for what you spilled? Cain, if we're going to use logic here, if if you're, like, (laughs) clearly you're using reason, the logic of being a victim— to find your answers. So I think God enters into reason and he says, listen, be reasonable. You know the earth cries out. You know that nature cries out to the creator. That it, this is something you can hear. Now, God declares something. And this is where it gets a little messy. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to have time to go through all of these, but let me just, let me just 
talk this out briefly, and then we'll get into it again uh, on the next episode in far more detail. <clears throat> this declaration is actually is is really what we would call a revelation. The curse that Cain has brought on himself. This is not a curse that God releases. Because God releases blessings. God doesn't release curses. And so the Lord says, now, now, now you are under a curse. He's, he's not saying, I'm putting you under this curse. He says, you've opened yourself up to something that that you had no idea, like no idea that this was going to happen. You opened yourself up to this. This is the nature of sin. Your parents know this. They've told you this. You know that when you do something like, you know, against the the natural order of creation, then you're going to, like, you're going to open yourself up. This is what you've done. You've, you're now under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield crops for you. You are going to be a restless wanderer on the earth. God's not kicking him out of anywhere. He's letting him know, listen, you've lost your job. The earth is not going to be helpful anymore. You've lost stability. You've lost community because you're a murderer. You, there's no one, no one who's going to trust you anymore. You killed your brother. Do you really think your other brothers are going to be fine with that? Do you really think your sisters are going to be okay with this? The earth is crying out with what you've done. Do you think they're not hearing what's going on? You have more than one farmer in the family. Do you think that, that the ground isn't calling out to those farmers saying something really terrible has happened? I have absorbed the blood of a human. I have absorbed the blood of the only creature in the universe that's been created in the image of the creator and can replicate the creator's activities on earth. I've just absorbed the blood of that person. Do you not think other people, Cain, no one, you have, you have caused such destruction to relationship all around you. You're going to wander. You're going to wander aimlessly, restlessly. You're not going to have a permanent home. This is, you're, you've opened yourself up to some pretty, pretty terrible things. Your reputation as a successful farmer is going to disappear because the earth isn't going to talk to you anymore. You you lost your role as a life giver and a leader and a provider for the family, for the clan. This is what you've done. These are not things that God has come down on Cain with. He's like, now you are under a curse. <laughs> Now, Cain's response to this is really vital because God doesn't ever reveal the results of our sin in order to, to make us feel worse. And, you know, he doesn't do this to bring shame. He doesn't do this to bring guilt. 
he does he reveals what the enemy's doing or what the you know the results of our sin because he wants us to now turn and repent back god doesn't bring revel- light you know revelation another way of saying that is light to darkness he doesn't reveal the mystery he doesn't bring light to the darkness in order to expose how bad things are he wants to expose what the enemy's doing so that you can refuse it and you can walk away from it, that you can repent, that you can find a way back, that you can turn to God and say, hey, God, whoa, like I had no idea. Clearly this was a stupid decision, a horrible decision. I need to make things right. That's all Cain had to do. God would have walked him through that because that's what God does. His goodness and mercy endures forever. It came out of the beginning with creation. That's where we leave Cain. That's where we're going to leave Cain. His response, listen, you can read ahead. This is what I love about telling Bible stories. And so many times I tell Bible stories, people are like, I can't wait till next week when I can hear it again. Or you'll hear the next part. I think it's in the Bible. <laughs> you can read it. I know, we have more fun. We kind of expand things here. Hey, listen, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week or whenever you want to listen to me on The Epic Narrative. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I had a couple thoughts after this past amazing. Honestly, this... I love having a good God. I can't tell you how much I love telling stories in which God is good. And and sometimes I'm honestly surprised at how easily I gave in to years of training in which God wasn't good in the Old Testament, right? It just it just was always out to punish people for their decisions. But that being said, I I love uh, the opportunity to see how God approaches Cain, how he interacts with Cain, how he's always uh, giving opportunity for Cain to respond and come back to a uh, uh, relationship with, with him. So overall, I, I, love, I love telling this story. But one of the things I wanted to just kind of jump back on is that I believe Cain does, did the same thing a lot of us do, and that is we bring God in a on our plans to do something that we know is counter to his kingdom. So like in Cain's case, obviously murdering his brother, but but I have no doubt, I mentioned it in the story, but I have no doubt that in some way Cain decided God's going to be okay with this. And he might have even come up with, with a way to kind of prove that God's on his side. And we, because we do this, right? We do this all the time. We'll say, well, if God's okay with me doing this thing that we know is wrong, whether it's you know watch pornography, uh, cheat on on my friend or on my spouse, um, why did I go right to two sexual activities right away? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think because a lot of times people people are involved in this. It's it's a part of everybody's life. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I jumped right on that. I know a lot of times for students, it might, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's maybe it's sneaking out at night, maybe it's cheating on a test. Like we come up with ways to be like, okay, I kind of know this is wrong, but if if God's okay with it, then you know it'll be easy to cheat on this exam. Like the, they'll, you know, uh, my phone will open up and and the website I need will open up really quickly, and the answer will be there right away. Or uh, you know so-and-so will be at this place if I'm supposed to go home with them tonight or whatever. Like there's, 
there's lots of ways that we somehow make God a part of a plan that we know internally is not a good plan. It's not part of his plan. It's not part of his kingdom. It's not goodness and love and hope and joy and peace. It's all the other things. And yet somehow we're like, well, if this happens, then God's okay with it. I think Cain did the same thing. I think in a lot, I, I don't know a lot. I just think in some way he was like, okay, uh, you know, if this, then this, if this, then this. And I think the final one was if I invite Abel to go out into the field with me and he says yes, then it's God's will for me to kill him. That's, that's, I, I don't, I don't know how else he can do this. He's got to believe at some level that God's going to be okay with this. And so when God shows up and asks him these questions, do you know what you've done? Like, do you understand what, where you're at? Same sort of questions that he had asked Adam and Eve. Cain, do you realize what you've opened yourself up to? And I think Cain is thinking, well, yeah, but I thought you'd be okay with it almost in his own way, right? I mean, the Lord says, Lord says, the ground has called out to me. The frequency of creation has, has talked to me, kind of like the midichlorians of Star Wars. Like, the rhythm of Earth is gagging on something it was never intended to, to drink, and that is the, the blood of your innocent brother. Like, what, what happened? It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty amazing to have, you know, to have been asked that question by God. And the reason why is because the earth called out to him. God didn't come in and say, I saw what you did. I'm so disappointed in what you did. He's like, Cain, you're a farmer. Did you think the ground was going to keep your secret? Because I'm the ground's creator. I know what ground you know, says. I listen to the frequency of, of the ground all the time. I wonder, I wonder if that was another thing that Cain had, had worked into his logic or illogic of what he was doing. Having been a farmer, he would have been very familiar with the frequency of the earth. He would have, he would have known, like, uh, like any farmer, they just, they just sense things in the ground. They sense things in the air. They understand the seasons better than most. And I think even in this, and the purity of creation in which the earth was at at this time. I think Cain even had a greater sense of this. And I wonder in his own way if he thought, if I kill Abel in the field, in essence, the earth will help me out. You know, God's going to be okay with it. If, if Abel says yes and comes out into the field, then God's going to be okay with it. And the earth will help me out because, well, I, you know, I work with it. it I know how it works. I understand what it sounds like, and I think I'm, I think everything's going to be okay. These are just thoughts that I have that uh, go through, you know, that that for me layer into the story while I'm telling it and while I'm thinking about it. And I may not go into all the details of my brain <laughs> of, all, of how it's being revealed in my head, but but it's there when I read it. I can I can see it that way because. I can put myself in those shoes, and and I think I think any of us can. Yeah, we might not have put it. We might we may not be murderers, but we do things that we know we shouldn't do, and somehow we drag God into those plans. We even make him okay with the plans. 
And I, I, uh, I don't think Cain was any different than us in those realms. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful that when we pursue something that's outside the kingdom principles, outside of love and joy and peace, then we are pursuing something that God is not going to be okay with. And if he's not okay with it, coming up with ways to kind of make us think he's okay with it is not a good way to pursue our relationship with God. It's not going to work. We may want it to work, but it's not going to work. In the end, God's going to come out and start asking us questions, just like he asked Cain. Are you sure you know what you were doing? Cain, did you think the earth wasn't going to tell me what was going on? Did you think it wouldn't cry out to me? Because those aren't really good thoughts. So in all that maybe we picked up in the life of, of Cain this, this week, I, I hope that if nothing else, we understand. We need to, we need to you know, heaven's perspective on this. Anyway, if you follow along uh, with the Bob thoughts, you know that I am currently in Florida pursuing our, our life currently of traveling the country in an RV. And uh, we're hanging out with family this week. And I hope you guys get a chance to hang out with family because, honestly, family is everything. It's awesome. Family is an awesome unit of community that God placed on this earth, and it is something that Cain destroyed when he murdered Abel. Anyways, those are my thoughts after today's episode. I hope you guys have a fabulous day. Don't forget to check out my TikTok page, my Bob Thoughts page on Facebook, and, of course, join us next week again on The Epic Area. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.